hello and welcome to the Middle East Centre at LSE. It is um, absolutely my privilege to be here introducing and chairing a panel with Christina Moreno Almeida talking about her book on Rap Beyond Resistance in Morocco. Before I get started on introducing her, let me first give you a few of the sort of practicalities of the space. Um, in case you don't know the building out on this side and then out through the double doors are toilets. Um, you can also, there's an accessible lift to go down in case of fire. I'm hoping such a thing won't happen, but one has to be prepared. Um, would I be able to ask you to put your phones to silent, please? Uh, also, this is going to be streamed live, am I right, on the... Recorded. Recorded. It's going to be <laughs> recorded and streamed on the Middle East Centre webpage. So is there, if there's anybody who wants to object, I just wanted to tell you about that. I'm going to allow Christina to speak for a while about her work. I'm going to say a few words about it after that, and then I will open it up, I think, to about 40 minutes of question and answer. So please feel free to contribute. So um, it's a pleasure for me because Christina has worked with me on a very large project about the Middle East um, while she was writing this book. So I got periodic updates about the book. But before that, the thing that actually helped me to get to know her was her research and she'd been doing her research for seven years and extremely detailed thoughtful stuff on the MENA region and on Morocco and at the moment Christina is working at King's College London where she's a British Academy postdoctoral fellow and also working on a similar sort of topic in cultural studies uh, in Morocco and Spain. She's lived in Morocco for over four years, which is something I can say a lot of my PhD students, when they go and do work elsewhere, do not go and live somewhere for that um, amount of time. She knows the area extremely well. She's fluent in the languages, and she has researched strategies for cultural intervention across the MENA region in collaborations between young artists, the government, institutions, and academia. I am her colleague. I've worked downstairs in this building, two floors down in the Media and Communications Department, and I'm an Associate Professor of Media and Communications. So, Christina, welcome. Please tell us about your book. Well, thank you all very much uh, for being here, for being interested in my work. Thank you very much, the Middle East Center, Sandra uh, Rosa, for um, providing us with this environment. Thank you so much, Haku. So, um, well, this project started in 2010 when I started my PhD and my interest on Moroccan rap. My interest in Morocco comes from much earlier because, uh, uh, well, I come from the Canary Islands and we are neighbors. I've traveled to Morocco all my life. So um, when I started uh, researching Moroccan rappers in 2010, uh, my first question was uh, why Moroccan rap and why at that time? And I'm going to go into detail uh, a bit further. But first, uh, maybe allow me to start by the end. In, uh, throughout these years, when, I'm, when I've been presenting uh, on, on Moroccan rap since 2010, I've always... Uh, sense, so I always had people um, really being frustrated with my um, understanding of Moroccan rap or what I presented. Because when you hear about rap in the MENA region, especially, and honestly, uh, it, it can be, it can be, um, it can be said also from uh, rest of uh, African countries, uh, there's a certain expectation of what rap should be. 
and it's normally associated to the, the idea of resistance, and the idea of resistance is also an, a, a preconceived idea. Um, so the, the, my aim with the book was kind of deconstruct this idea of resistance, this idea that, that uh, the, 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 uh, mostly uh, international media, um, English uh, media, French media, have uh, are, uh, like to, 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 to engage in this narrative of what resistance is, and normally is resistance against the state. When I went to Morocco, I discovered that, yes, there is, but there is much more. It's, it's a much richer culture than just this. Um, and I'm going to just, yeah, maybe the first slide. So, uh, well, this is a bit what I'm talking about, some examples on, on how the media talks about rap in the region and in the... Uh, Muslim region, let, let's put it this way, other Muslim countries. So, I don't know if you hear me if I speak like this. Um, Afghan rapper voices women's rights in Kabul. Afghan teen uses uh, rap to escape forced marriage. Moroccan rap is the voice of the people. The voice, the voice, the voice. Uh, this really puts a lot of pressure on rappers to be the voice of such a big number of, of people. And that's what they, um, how they voiced it to me when uh, I, I interviewed all of them. So my, my aim with the book was to set some, somehow challenge this, challenge what international media, what these big media uh, newspapers were, were saying, and, uh, and provide a more nuanced uh, understanding of what rap in Morocco was that actually can be uh, then, uh, the, the, the theoretical framework can be uh, adapted to other countries, uh, certainly other countries in the Maghreb, like uh, Algeria, with its own historical context, of course. Um, so, the, the, as, as Shaku said, the, 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 the framework of, the, of, the, of these studies, cultural studies, and I use history, uh, anthropology, uh, political science, and other disciplines to kind of contribute to this nuanced perspective. So, um, uh, certainly, the Arab Spring was a very important time in which rap, in which this narrative about rap and resistance uh, came alive. And honestly, if you look Google today, uh, Morocco rap, you will get a page of Moroccan rap that uh, some some people have done very nicely. But you will get the same rapper all the time. Uh, please, the next slide. Sorry. And this rapper, and I'm going to tell you the story about rapper El Hakat. Rapper El Hakat. Um, was detained in September 2011, accused of hitting someone in a in a demonstration against the uh, the state. The this actually infuriated the other rappers because this person wasn't known as a rapper, but the international media created this. He had published, he had posted in YouTube some songs, but he wasn't a known rapper. But of course, it was better to sell a rapper has been. Uh, uh, taken to jail than a normal person in a demonstration has been taken to jail. Um, the, 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 the issue got to a point that uh, in Al Jazeera we got, he has become one of North Africa's best known and politically active rappers um, without really being known for that. Um, my talk won't include Al Haket because as I said before, I wanted to um, focus on when and how. And when and how starts in 2003, 
when uh, when there were two main events certain in Morocco, but mainly in Casablanca, terrorist attacks and uh, the 14 uh, heavy metal heads that were detained. Uh, the, when the 14 metal heads were detained, there were major demonstrations uh, of people in the street in Casablanca, but all throughout the country, because people didn't understand why they were being detained. They were being accused of Satanism for wearing black t-shirts, for owning a guitar, and things like that. Honestly, looking, looking at it right now, it seems, it's, I don't know how this happened, but it happened. It has happened in Egypt in 97. Um, a few months later, the terrorist attacks attacked a few places in Casablanca, and that created a sense of uh, in, in bo both things. So uh, the sense that uh, youth were being targeted, but also that the t country was being targeted. So uh, I... Until then, rappers existed in Morocco. They, they started in the mid-90s. Many of them in different cities, many of them thought that they were the only ones rapping. For example, rapper Muslim in Tanja thought that he was the only one rapping in Arabic and then found out that there were others that were doing the same. And uh, um, what happened after that is that uh, rappers that have been, had been criticized for uh, being accused of cultural imperialism uh, trans find a way, found a way to transform rap in in Morocco to uh, be able to be like socially uh, accepted. How how was that done? They some of them, only some of them, uh, decided to cre create what's, what they called taklidi rap, traditional rap. Uh, rapper Snare from Marrakesh they created what I what I was saying taklidi rap, traditional rap, where they mixed. Moroccan sounds with, uh, with rap in a way that it would be socially accepted, families could listen to it, and they wouldn't be accused necessarily of cultural appropriation. The first song that they released and has become really an anthem of anti-terrorism in Morocco is um, don't touch the, the song Don't Touch My Country. This song that I won't play because I don't really have time, I will play another song because I think maybe you're going to um, understand what I mean in just a bit. Uh, this song talks about how Moroccans stand together against terrorism. And I say it becomes an anthem because when the country was targeted in 2011 again, in Jamal Efna, this song was played not non-stop. Uh, why all of a sudden rap get, gets accepted? Because the themes are to uh, encourage uh, brotherhood, and I say brotherhood because it, actually the song says brother and brother, it doesn't say brother and sister. Um, then uh, the song also talks about how Morocco is a, is a place for coexistence. It's a country where, where, where Muslims, uh, Jews and Christians uh, live together. Uh, and this actually worked. Uh, instead of being called uh, rebels or you know the, the, the people that wanted to go against the Moroccan traditions, they were invited to media, to radio, to TV, and, uh, and invited to concerts too. So then uh, in 2008 they released this song, At Tarikh, that I think it's, it's, it really, uh, if you listen to it, you'll understand what they mean by traditional rap. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
well, I think you all can listen the difference between public enemy and uh, this uh, rap. The song talks, uh, it's, it's, uh, it honors Morocco, long history, talks about how Morocco started and the, 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 the uh, kings. Okay. It's a really nice song. Uh, young people don't know it very much. And why is that? And that's one of the questions of the book. Why some rappers have been, you know, succeed, succeeded and have earned a lot of money um, doing rap and why others not? And why this, that maybe, I don't know, it, it actually works very well in Western audiences, uh, doesn't work really work in, in, with young people. Um, for those who understand, uh, Darija, then, then, then you can see why. For those who don't, I'll just explain that the language is very clean. There's no swear words. The, 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 um, the, it, it doesn't really resonate with what young people in Casablanca, for example, uh, uh, live everyday life. It talks about a history that it's in the upper classes. It talks about kings. It doesn't talk about real, you know, people's struggles. Uh, there are other rappers that have done this and became very, very popular too. For example, it's Don, one, one of them is Don Big in Casablanca. And he, he came in 2006, released an album, Magharbat Almut, Moroccans Until Death. So again, talking about Morocco, but in a very different way. Don Big comes in and uses swear words. He's like the bad boy of uh, his, yeah, um, the Rolling Stones of Moroccan rap. Um, he, he uses swear words. He talks uh, like, like he talks normally. So actually many people don't understand. While I was translating his songs, there were some words that I even asked my friends around, they wouldn't know what those words mean because they were very of a local uh, neighborhood. Um, and, but this album was, was, a, was a success. Well, soon after Don Big was very su successful, he started to be accused of being co-opted because, again, the, some part of the media, certainly the French media, associated Don Big with rebellious, with, you know, with the, this strong language, this insult, this, well, this is, this is the, big, the, the real deal, the real resistance against the state. And Don Big came and said, wait, wait, wait a minute, you know, uh, I can be hard, I can criticize, I can talk about drugs, I can talk about prostitution, alcohol, but that doesn't mean I'm um, against the state. And this is what happened in 2011 when the, 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 there was a big demonstration the 20th of February and Don Big actually came out with a song that was against the 20th of February, a song that called this 20th of February movement, what then became a movement, he, he called it, he called it the, the party of donkeys in, in, in one of his songs. Um, what was the party of donkeys for him, according to him in this song, it, he, it was um, uh, Ramadan eaters, so people that didn't respect religion, uh, uh, Christians, or uh, other people that were not uh, in accordance with the, what a Moroccan is supposed to be, you know, a good Moroccan is supposed to be, according to Don Vic, obviously. Um, so there we got, yeah, uh, mm, there we got uh, someone, I'm, I'm going to yeah, play the slide, because um, the idea of tradition and, um, and this is a very nice yeah, song, the idea of tradition and modernity has uh, con been continued. So on the one hand, we have this traditional uh, rap and on the other, we have this kind of resistance, rebellious one. 
Um, and uh, it has continued, and even in DJing. Um, this is a very nice song of um, uh, um player, Roisha, if you can play just a bit. And I think it's worthwhile to listen to the original song and then what DJ Van, a uh, part of Nair, who was part of Nair, now he's a DJ and he's a big producer, a big name. put his own spin and I must tell you that I played this to a Moroccan audience and they were appalled by what they were hearing they didn't like at all the DJ Van version obviously uh, but it was yeah a hit in 2012 the thing is that this worked this worked to, to get to earn money to to be able to continue being a rapper in Morocco what before a few years before was you, you would be insulted in the street for wearing baggy pants, or not insulted, but your parents wouldn't allow you to go out with baggy pants even if you were, you know, o older. Um, it worked. And some of them will decide, some of them decided to um, go further and do what some have called uh, Watanism or to be to patriotic rap. What is patriotic rap? Some have described patriotic rap as this kind of neo-patriotism that comes out of nowhere in the sense that Morocco is not being attacked, but it's like Morocco is, is being attacked the whole time, so you need to claim your patriotism all the time. And the thing is that this, this works because, or you are with us or against us, it, um, uh, it's the philosophy behind these, these, these songs. And obviously you cannot say you, can, you don't like this song. It doesn't have to be very creative, and it kind of repeats the same, the same themes the whole time. Um, I'm not going to play this one, sorry. I'm not going to play this one right now because we don't have time. But uh, just the iconography of it, it's all, um, it's all red and, uh, and, and, and green. The thing about one of the singers, of one of the rappers, he actually raps in French, uh, which I find a bit uh, disturbing because, as he knows, not everyone in Morocco understands this French and it's a bit weird to claim your patriotism in a foreign language when he could may well do it in, in Darija. But he told me when I interviewed him that, uh, yeah, he, he preferred to rap in French. That's it. Um, so um, Don Big, as I said before, was started to be accused of being uh, co-opted by the state. And in this uh, cartoon, you can see Don Big. Um, saying, you know, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. The, the someone in the audience saying, saying yeah, we're natty, uh, so, you know, cool. The, ma the, the, the one putting, trying to steal from him is the mayor of Casablanca, one, well, used to be the mayor of Casablanca, and the, the Don Big is called Asmol, and, uh, sorry, and he, he's performing in what's called uh, the, the festival of the money of the people. So um, these rappers have gained a lot of money, as I said before, uh, by performing in these festivals. But also these festivals have been, some of them have been accused of um, using the money of the people that can be used for other things, basic needs, and invested in, in music. 
Um, this is kind of a very normal discourse in rap. Or you are uh, underground or you are mainstream. My idea, uh, what, what, yeah, what I'm trying to transmit here is that it's not one way or the other. It's not black or white. So Don Big is not, wasn't rebel before and then co-opted. He just knew, found a way to move through the, you know, the, the cultural field and get where he wanted to. Fner did the same and they've all done the same. Uh, they know how the field works. They know what, it work, what, what works for them at least and they know what to get from. Some of them, um, for example, Muslim, he's a rapper from Tangier and he has been criticized by the French media for, well, his name, Muslim. I actually asked him why were you called Muslim and he, he, he why do you call yourself Muslim? And he said, well, I liked it, that's it. That was quite a, 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 an answer I got all the time. Uh, they, yeah, they just didn't know how to explain their own choices. They chose this when they were in their, you know, 15, 16 years old. Uh, well, Muslim has been accused of being an Islamist uh, because he's, uh, he's, yeah. At, at the time I went to Morocco, he, they, they would say that he, he refused to take pictures with women, and there were all these myths of, of him. Then I discovered that he was a very shy guy. And it took me three years to get an interview with him, um, and uh, uh, it, it was actually a very good interview. Uh, so he, he has a song where he talks about this patriotism, but uh, in a very critical way. So yes, yes, and he always performs with a flag of Morocco, but we need to you know, criticize certain things that others don't do. So while others talk about this brotherhood coexistence, he prefers to talk about what's happening. In 2011, with the 20th of February, he was criticized for not being part of the 20th of February movement. His answer was, and came in a song uh, one year later, saying, I'm not 20th of February, I'm all year round. And he's been saying this all the time. He has been there before and he will stay there after, criticizing what he needs to be criticized, but not being involved in the movement. Um, while others, as he says, while others jump, very soon to, 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 to become popular thanks to one of these movements, for example. And, and I'm not saying he, he did it, I'm just saying he got caught in, like Al-Hakad, he got, he, he got caught into this uh, enthusiasm for the, for the, uh, um, for the, 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 the Arab Spring. Uh, Muslim played, tried very hard not to, not to get others like Ashkane, which uh, do patriotic songs, participated in the demonstrations, but uh, soon after decided not to, uh, not to talk about this uh, anymore, at least online, and they uh, deleted Facebook posts that were, yeah, where they, they claimed they, 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 people needed to go out and demonstrate. Um, I think, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, to, yeah, to just say that this work is not, a, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to do an encyclopedia of Moroccan rap. There are many people, many rappers missing, and I always get complaints. Why didn't you talk about this one and this other one? Or, well, this is not that. This what what I just wanted to do is to create, uh, is is to have something where to start from. This needs to be. Uh, th this could be another book, totally different book, if I had chose another angle. But also, there are many rappers that have been working working hard uh, and and stayed under the radar. And I'm not saying they're not as valuable. I'm just talking about these certain certain rappers in a certain moment of time. And certainly, 
um, they have there are uh, women, and that is uh, uh, a chapter that remains to be written, uh, and an evolution uh, uh, how rap Moroccan rap has changed so much since 2013. Uh, when I really finished my, my field work, but I've been following them and, uh, for example, now you have 10, 15 women rapping. The problem is that maybe they are not as exotic as enough as the international media would like because they don't talk about uh, um, a, what would maybe we would define as resistance. They talk about ego tripping. They talk about, you know, they are better than this other girl or whatever. Um, uh, and uh, and certainly there 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 are other rappers that have gone uh, that have done things that the rappers I talk about don't don't don't, don't do haven't done. For example, show alcohol in their videos or show uh, women in their videos. Um, and this is something that it needs to it remains to be to be to be studied. So yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. So before opening it to questions, I'm going to use my chair's privilege and also my friend's privilege to read to you for about three or four minutes my take on Christina's book. Because often when we write a book and we're right in the middle of the subject and we love the subject, we don't always say all the different things a book does. So I want to talk from an academic perspective now about the various different ways this book speaks to different disciplines, to different parts of media and communications and to um, Middle East studies. Um, one of the things that I think uh, conceptually which comes across very strongly in Christina's book is the incredible and elaborate complexity of resistance, of motivations for resistance, of configurations of resistance and of the meaning of the concept itself. It's subjected to scrutiny throughout the book in many different ways um, via various easily accessible case studies which she's just talked to you about some of them but also through a much longer and more articulated history of life, everyday life, as well as political life in Morocco. From the use of the Orientalist gaze of the Western cultural industries as a tool of self-promotion, either the co-option by rap or the resistance to this gaze, um, to the adoption of a pastoral and romantic outlook towards the nation through this new pastoralism and neo-nationalism um, that she talked about, these things can be bent both ways. They can be used to promote the state. They can also be used subtly to undermine it by suggesting that one has a knowledge or a wish to love the nation greater than that of the government. These kinds of things are dramatized in multiple forms throughout the book. Audiences of rap, meanwhile, as well as the everyday Moroccan consumer of music, are shown to grasp it far more than the notion of direct polit politics nested in the critique that we hear so often in relation to the Arab Spring, the people who want to overthrow the government and replace it with something else. This isn't, and it doesn't seem to be, at the core of the book what Moroccan audiences are interested in. They are interested in direct political critique. It is a form of that. But they're also interested in beats. They're also interested in rhyme and delivery. They're also interested in image and fashion. There's a whole range of things which you might suggest that in other places you'd want to be resistant to, which they are anything but resistant to, as well as the notion of a putative authenticity or fakeness on the part of the rappers. And who becomes authentic and who becomes fake is also a very interesting game, a political economic one, but a cultural one too. 
So practically, this book illustrates what rap is and what rap does in Morocco and in the rest of the MENA region. And as Christina writes, rap takes on capital P political events, but it also challenges various things. Class privilege, it highlights the country's beauty, it reconfigures urban spaces and pushes the boundaries of preconceived notions of what Moroccan culture is. In that sense, this is also something that I think Christina's book does, too, pushing the preconceived notions of what the MENA region is, of what Arab culture is, of what Moroccan culture is. All of these points are illustrated in multiple ways through six main chapters. And this is where I like this book very much, because I think you don't have to stick with the order in which the book is written. If you happen to be a scholar of the region and you know a lot about its history, you might want to pick up on chapter three and read on from there. But if not, the opening chapters deal with historical context in Morocco from the colonial period onwards. So for historians, this is a beautiful book. It has lots and lots of detail. It's rich in detail. The ways in which the Moroccan state intervenes in culture, uh, looking at cultural iconography, are illustrated in a plethora of fine examples from commissioned street art to co-opted music festivals. The symbolism of gesture and visual street signs um, are also looked at very carefully through a visual analysis. I certainly learned a lot from these discussions, and I was pushed to think about the sophistication of the state in its ability to head off countercultural movements. It might be something we want to think about more even in the Western world. So in a way in which um, we often find that theories come from the West and are used to theorize the global South, I think this is a book which does the opposite. It, it looks and theorizes something in the global South, the notion of resistance, and that casts a light on what happens in the West. Cultural patronage enables some discourses of popular discontent, for instance, that around the terror attacks that Christina talked about on the state, but it also silences other discourses. For instance, music piracy comes across as a double-edged sword. It breaches individual musicians' intellectual property rights and reduces their remittances, but it also allows some artists a much-needed escape from bureaucratic processes of application. Christina has structured the book in such a way that if you are already well-versed in these kinds of things, you might want to move forward to a chapter that I myself found very, very interesting and entertaining on the economics of resistance, a thought-provoking examination of the political economic structures that mandate how, when, and in what manner an artist is recognized as an artist in Morocco. And I think this goes much further than just rap. I think you're talking also mm -hmm. about people's freedom to be artists in the region. Although it does not name it as such, this chapter clearly talks about economic censorship and for the most calculating, of the most calculating and sophisticated kind, which precludes the need for more draconian censorship. Basically, if you price people out, if you make it so difficult and the, the barriers to becoming an artist and being known so high, it's almost impossible for them to sing and to sing in a popular manner. Christina's entire book displays attention to detail and to contextual and linguistic accuracy. The interplay of Zerija, Arabic, French, and English poses no problem for her with her polyglot abilities. She can tell you how many languages she actually speaks very well. Lyrics such as, we are living the life of a flea in the sheep's hide, and I can reach the hearts of people because they reach my heart, are all painstakingly transliterated and translated, discussed conceptually, and placed in the context of styles of music, older lyrics, and public negotiation of the meaning of the songs. If I were to make one criticism of the book, it is one that Christina herself makes, which is that this feels like a very masculine world. Don Big, Dizzy Dross, Otman, H. Kanye, Muslim, Moby Dick, all of these men talk in a very male way about the world of rap 
And in a sense, it almost is oriented towards men and men as citizens. I therefore look very much forward to her proposed book on women hip-hop artists. Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, um, I think we have plenty of time for questions, and I think there'll be a plethora of questions, because I see you all come from quite different um, places and positionings in relation to the the subject. So, um, yes. Please, when you speak, could you say who you are? That would be great. Bruce Stanley from Richmond University. Um, I follow somewhat Palestinian rappers, and so I'm always interested in the way that they connect in with the situation in other cities and so on, what's going on. The Gaza rappers, um, PC Gaza is, MC Gaza is, you know, made a number of references to Aleppo and what's going on in Mosul, finding similarities. And so my question is really, do, is there, are, are there city-based rappers who, if you will, extend themselves and make connections beyond Morocco and the state-centric aspects of being Morocco mm-hmm. and speak from a city-connected relationship to what's happening in Gaza, what's happening in Aleppo, etc. Definitely, the FNER actually did a song, uh, on, uh, another group called Casa Crew, they did songs uh, uh, in talking about Gaza. So yeah, they're, they're, they certainly have... So 2014? Uh, the, songs are, the songs are from much earlier, huh? but yeah, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's ongoing, so yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely they, 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 they do that. The, the diff- what I would point out that is a bit different is that while the, uh, the region, Palestine, um, Lebanon, Syria, it's, 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 I think it's, it's much more connected. And then North Africa, um, it's, it's kind of in a, in a very different uh, uh, historical, uh, political, social context right now. And also Morocco has 40 million uh, 30 million uh, people. I mean, it's a very big country. They have enough to talk about each other anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they do talk about different subjects. They, for example, they, they do talk about their, their, their Africanness of their identity. Talk about the their, their Amasik. Uh, uh, they, they do talk about other things that are not only, you know. Um, yeah, um, I'm not sure if I. But maybe not as much as uh, a Palestinian rapper would. So a state identity kind of frames much of what a political discussion would be in rap, rather than any kind of yeah. independent city it's kind of dynamic that looks outside beyond the state. It's part of the Moroccan postcolonial identity, where it, the, the Morocco, uh, after the being colonized by France, uh, the the nationalist movement was based its ideology in uh, the nation, in Islam, and in Arabness. So those have been you know, uh, embedded in the identity very hard, strongly. And you can find this not only in rap, uh, you can find these themes uh, all across the cult- uh, culture. Uh, yeah, other... other mm. Thank you, sir. Ali Bahajouk, I'm a journalist. Uh, I was wondering, actually, uh, that you did not mention the importance of social media today yeah. in, in promoting the rap, yeah. whether in Morocco or mm-hmm. in the region. 
you, yeah. Actually, I'm very excited about this question. I I do talk about it in in the book in the last in the last chapter, uh, which I called the economies of resistance because it is very important. But also, my new project in King's College is on social media and cultural production, and I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, I can pick up one uh, what Chago was saying. The it's really important because uh, well, and actually on the project we've done on uh, here at LSE and the Middle East Center and the uh, Media and Communication Department. Um, um, yeah, social media is is huge right now in Morocco. YouTube is uh, Morocco is the second country in subscribers uh, in the region after Lebanon. So uh, so young people do go to YouTube. Obviously, as yeah, as we actually talk about talk about in in our project not everyone is online because not everyone is uh, uh, can be online for various reasons time or or economic reason but it's true that young people in morocco use uh, social media a lot and and it's it's good for rappers because they don't have to go through all the bureaucracy uh, just a, a small hint if you want um, for a Moroccan rapper to release an album, and no, not Moroccan rapper, sorry, any artist, uh, one uh, an artist called Um, that I mean I invite you all to to check her because she's really really good. Um, um says that releasing a, an album in Morocco is an act of resistance per se, just that it doesn't matter what you say, because what you need you need to to be able you need to uh, so to in order to produce it to manufacture it. You need a number. This number is the, the the office of the copyright office that gives to you this number. But the copyright office won't give you this number if you have not been played on the radio. But even when you've been played on the radio, uh, you need uh, this number is given to labels. So you really need to have a label. Um, otherwise, the only option is is to use social media to to post on YouTube, to go to iTunes or, or a third party and, and post on iTunes, Spotify. Although Spotify doesn't work. But then, if you want to monetize uh, the, the, this, this YouTube account or, or, or iTunes, you get paid by PayPal. PayPal, until, until recently, didn't work in Morocco either. So it was a, a struggle, per se. Okay, once, now it works, you get uh, paid by PayPal. But uh, you need to have a bank account. Not everyone, so I think it's a 27% of people have bank accounts in Morocco. So it's not that... Uh, popular and the reason is because they are actually are expensive. It's expensive to have a bank account. You have to pay the, the fees. I mean, um, uh, so it's quite challenging. Of course, if you're rich, living in Rabat, and you know have a, a, a help, then you can. But otherwise, um, it's it's quite difficult. Uh, my, my my during my field work, I went with a rapper to do all the the paperwork that needed to be done to the copyright office, and we went to Rabat. We, didn't, we found no one. We went to Casablanca. We found an old man with a computer that didn't recognize the papers that we have printed from the web page of the copyright office. He told us, look, you better go to Rabat because I don't know what's going on. We went to Rabat with the papers and all the documentation. You needed um, the, the, the lyrics of all the, the songs written. And this rapper took, I think it was 23 songs. When the, the, the person there uh, saw the 23 songs, he said, oh, whoa, this is too much, please. Bring them bit by bit, don't stress, and it has to be handwritten, not printed out. So this nightmare uh, that you have to go through, and actually he never got this 
this this this this number you need for a company uh, yeah manufacturer to make the albums. It was another rapper, and that's why I talk about solidarities because there are um, another rapper gave him uh, had created his own his own label, and, and he told he told him I created this label just for this to help others to uh, manufacture their own uh, CDs. Of course, then it was another nightmare to actually sell these CDs on a big store like FNAC, which is French, and uh, a Virgin uh, Megastore. The reason, because uh, first, the profit was basically none, uh, while a Moroccan artist, uh, an, an album from a Moroccan artist, is sold 20, it costs 20 dirhams, uh, like 2 euro, 2 pounds, more or less. Um, another rapper, Jay-Z, Beyonce, whatever, they, they cost 200 dirhams. And it already, it, it gives a message to young people, to young Moroccans saying, you are not good enough or you are, you know, not as good as any other artist. Why, when I asked this rapper, but why do you even want to put it on, you know, why, why do you want to sell it on FNAC or on, on these big stores? Like, it's cooler to be underground, you know, my Western kind of mentality. Uh, he told me, no, but I want other young people to, you know, to, to, see, to see that they can make it, you know, to give them the, the, the prestige, the, 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 yeah, the, the recognition. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just bringing you back to the question. Exactly, sorry, social media. <laughs> so social media does, they give, social media gives you the opportunity to become known, but also it's, it, it's not TV, it's still not TV. In Morocco, if you are on, on TV, it gives you much more recognition than if you are in social media, because everyone can be in social media, and not everyone, at least, uh, as far as I know, can be on TV. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry for my... <laughs> I'm very passionate <laughs> that about this. That was a this. very interesting story. I mean, I, uh, the outside, I think I saw copies of our report from our project. Yes. So, if you're interested in the social media angle, not just in Morocco, but in Tunisia and several other countries, there are yeah. copies outside. Now, I saw someone over there, and then you were up there. Was there somebody at the back there who had their hand up? Okay. Yes, please go ahead and say who you are. Yes. Lady in the Sorry. second row. Yes, you. Hi, I'm Katarina Schmolz. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm at Soas University. I'm also doing research on Morocco. Huh? Actually, um, mostly my research is on the Justice and Development Party. And I was quite surprised yeah. to find out that at one party gathering, I mean, it's quite a conservative party for those who are familiar with the context, they actually had like uh, rappers. Yeah. So I had no idea. I was wondering whether you have any idea whether it's a common thing or rather new. Since I think it was 2008, 2009. Uh, one of the socialist party brought um, tried to bring rappers. They only got Don Big, and that's why this the big thing started of Don Big being co-opted. Um, Ashkain were invited to, and Hoba Hoba Spirit, who are another, they are not rappers. They are, uh, they do rock music. They were invited to, and they 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 said they wouldn't. Uh, Hoba Hoba did. Anyway, they wouldn't do it. So yeah, they and and yeah, the the. the this party has invited the rapper that they invited. Uh, he's no longer. He, it's it's a bit tricky because co I mean, calling him a rapper again. He he likes. He stopped doing rap and now he does just uh, on social media. He 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 does YouTube uh, kind of on a religious podcast. Um, but yeah, Muslim was has been. People have said that he belongs to the party, and he actually said that he voted for Ben Kiran, but Ben Kiran deceived him. So he's very critical with uh, the party too, <laughs> even though he openly said he voted for them. Any other questions? Oh, please go ahead. 
Yeah, you mentioned about the, the artist who uh, was actually singing in French. Yeah. Doesn't he actually want a wider audience, particularly that you mentioned there are problems with the copyright and all that. A wider audience probably will uh, record his song in, in French and you will have all the North Africans who speak obviously in French. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't word it like this, but I mean Ashkane are very known in, in Spain, are very known in France. But the thing with French is that the French, so the, the French market is the second largest market in rap in the world. So actually, it's it's better to stay in the Moroccan one. In, in and he's he's done quite well in the Moroccan one because uh, it's very difficult, yeah, and very difficult to to rap uh, in this cool, you know, using cool, very very contemporary words while he mixes it with the Rija. Uh, yeah, but definitely he he can he can reach uh, Algeria, he can reach uh, Tunisia using using French. Although Muslim, for example, is very very famous in Egypt um, because he has adapted the Darija at the beginning. He used a very Tanja um, accent, and now he has gone bit by bit uh, to a more. He uses uh, people say he raps in in Fusha, which it's not the case, but he does use that certain rhymes. That are that may uh, some rappers from Casa told me we could never do that because Casa is so strong, you know, so so tough. We could not use Muslim rhymes, but Muslim does it, and he he with you know he has reached uh, other other countries. There's quite a, a, a lots of fans from from Algeria and Morocco that yeah that support um, rappers from both countries. Anash Kane, this rapper, one of them, has been in Algeria playing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And does that actually apply to Rai as well? Because Algeria and Morocco actually have yeah. uh, sort of singers <laughs> singing Rai yeah. uh, and rap as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I have I have so many stories, but yeah, Chef Khaled in in Morocco is huge, and uh, I remember just being in the supermarket playing Chef Khaled and everyone dancing. Uh, in the supermarket while buying the tomatoes, uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's huge, and he has actually the Moroccan nationality now, right? So yeah. Is there anyone else who wants to ask a question? Yes, please. What, what about the ethnic divisions in terms of Berber involvement, etc.? And also, do we have any Sahrawi issues that are brought up in rap? Yeah, there. I mean, the the Sahara, uh, Ceuta, and Melilla are brought up in several songs. And this is uh, something that I would say nearly a hundred a hundred percent of Moroccans are together uh, and agreeing that the Sahara is Moroccan. That's it, uh, and that and they voice it in songs. There's one song that's called um, Morocco One Not Two, and in that song at the end you can see many artists. And this is the, why why this idea of resistance and co-option is a bit tricky because you have many artists that you would classify, you know, according to this. Uh, uh, frame in differently, and they all agree that uh, the country, the nation, you know, the territorial unity must remain. Uh, and they include Ceuta and Melilla too, so it's not only the Sahara. Uh, sorry, at the beginning you said. Uh, uh, yeah, and then there's a rap in Amazir. There, it exists, but it's not played in the radio so much. More in the Amazir media. But if you, for example, his radio, that is the, the largest music radio in Morocco with one million listeners, um, I have never heard them play. Which doesn't mean they don't do it, but I've never heard it. And uh, it was, yeah, it was 
quite challenging to find rappers. But that doesn't mean that they don't identify with being Berber. Because actually, this member of Ashkin that I interviewed that sings in French, I, I remember I told him, I was very naive back then, <laughs> and I'm still. But when I, when I told him about being uh, Arab rap, and he told me, uh, who says I'm Arab? And I told him, oh, well, sorry. So, yeah, he considers himself, he's from Meknes, and he considers himself Berber. So, yeah, there's a, uh, even though they don't, you know, Tarija is the main language, they think. So, I'm, before I give you another chance at a question, I'm going to ask a question of my own taking chairs privilege. So, I'm kind of interested in the way in which the women rappers don't come in, but I'm also interested in gender in rap in general. So, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about the concerts that you went to and that you yes. observed as an ethnographer. Um, did women participate? What was the atmosphere around women's okay. rights in these concerts? And also talk a little bit about the class composition of the audiences or the ones who download. You know, do do sort of middle class people stay at home and listen to rap, or do they go to the concerts? <laughs> who can afford it? Who can't? Yeah. Something around that. So, so class-wise, uh, you see, I think a large spectrum mm. in a concert. Mm. Concerts are normally for free, mm. or they are very mm. cheap. When when I say very cheap, it's twenty dirhams, like yeah, mm. one. I don't have pounds to, to euro, um, so yeah, they 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 do well. They're, they're, yeah, there's little tradition of paying too much money for a concert, and when they when it's done, it's because it's in a club, for example, and the club is paying privately for to the to that um, rapper. Um, so you see, I mean, I've seen and I've I've been at the door and I've met. Uh, I remember this young guy in in Rabat in a concert uh, that he came from Esawira with twenty dirhams in his pocket to go back and he told me I don't know how I'm going to get back he was where yeah and he told me I needed to come and uh, yes yeah, so you got this and you got people coming in big you know big big cars I'm oh, sorry big big cars and uh, uh, buying because some rappers sell their albums uh, what they can in in the concerts and buying four or five copies when they know that it's just uh, a very cheap album mm. um, so that's one women you see it's amazing how many women go to concerts. Mm. Yes. Uh, so uh, another concert that I went to also in Rabat, um, what they did, the concert organizers would allow women to go in first because everybody's squashing and pushing and in the entrance and to kind of promote women to, to come to concerts, uh, they allow women to go first and obviously get the best spots and then, and then uh, men. Uh, when you go, yeah, I always seen women in the co in concerts. Always, there's never been and singing the lyrics and the lyrics sometimes are very tricky because there are lots of swear words and and I've seen very young girls, seven, eight year olds, with their moms, with their parents. Wow. In yes, in concerts, uh, some of them actually once the rappers start swearing, taking them away <laughs> and leaving with tears and that. Yeah, I've seen others just staying there because parents can't do anything about it. Uh, yeah, I think it's the the beauty of the concert being quite yeah free. So That's great. you know everybody can you know as a family. So no dodgy uh, situations. Uh, yeah, well of course. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, no, of course. Uh, there was uh, uh, Mawazin. It's a big, big festival in in Rabat, and uh, the 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 Moroccan rappers always perform in Sla in the beach. So it's across the river, and I crossed the river in a very dangerous boat. Um, and once I arrived there, there were. So many fights, like the fights were breaking the whole time. Um, there was alcohol, but there were kids, there were families, there were, you know, strollers. There was everything, you know. It's very <laughs> babies yeah. and fights. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes. 
Okay, I think that's time for a couple more questions. Yes, please. No, I got really interested that you started talking about concepts. I mean, apart from class and gender, what types of person actually go there? You know, do they, to put it very, very simply, like conservative people, or do they look like very progressive and are rather, you know, not the typical type of person you would actually find in the streets? I would say it's, it's I mean, I hate to say you know, to divide people and assume that because they were available they are conservative or not. But if, you know, I've seen, I mean, every kind really, it's amazing. The amount, of, first, the amount of people, the amount of young and not so young people that uh, know about rap in Morocco and the ones that go, very, very young, I, the, the youngest one I've seen is for a four-year-old kid with the parents, and the parents complaining because I organized this concert in Casablanca in the <coughs> Spanish Institute, telling me, why do you have to organize free concerts? Because if it's free, we cannot go because the baby is too, you know, he, he, cannot, he will be squashed, he will be pushed. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe you shouldn't take a four-year-old, but hey, that, that's up to you. But and the baby, well, the four-year-old kid started to, to sing one of the rapper's uh, lyrics. But then I've seen, uh, you know, veiled women pushing their boyfriends, I guess, or brothers to, to the concerts and uh, punks, uh, you know, or, or other people, you know, but I don't, I don't know. Yes, any kind. Obviously, you know, maybe, maybe mature women and men are not, you know, you don't see them so often. That doesn't mean they don't know about rap. That just means maybe they, they don't like to, you know, mix in that kind of situation, which I, I mean, uh, it, can be, it can be dangerous. I mean, I've seen this, the, 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 the army in Mawazim uh, stopping people from coming into the, to the, to, to the small field, to the theater, um, when, when the events happen in, in closed doors. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, thank you. Any further questions? Okay, well, thank you very much for coming. Thank, thank you, Christina, you so much. and thank, thank you, you for the East Center.